Welcome to The Jarek Show, featuring your hosts, Javad Malik and Eric Crone. Timely topics, poorly presented. Hello and welcome everybody to the last episode of The Jarek Show for 2020. Not forever because we'd be out of the job if we weren't doing this. So thank you to all our Patreons and our sponsors to making this show possible. Uh, we have a very special show. We, we thought rather than talk about just this week's stories, why don't we talk about some of our favorite stories from the year? But that is a job far too big for just Eric and I. So we went out and we found the best person for the job. Unfortunately, he wasn't available. So we had to go down the list and we found someone that I used to work with. And I thought I'd seen the last of him forever, but I, I hadn't. Uh, this person is, well, emotionally stunted, but a technical genius. He's such a nerd, he even gave his child the initials GPG because he loves security so much. So let's welcome Garrett Gross. How are you doing, sir? Oh, thank you so much. And, and what <laughs> what a uh, excellent introduction and couldn't be closer to the truth. Thanks for having me, guys. That's all right. You're welcome. And hello, Eric, to you too, in the small box. Always great to be here, even if I'm in the small box. That's all it's right. fantastic. I mean, getting Garrett on here, I mean, I I must admit, I, I have a feeling you went way down on the list, but he, he's a great guy anyways. Um, so you did a fine job getting him on the show. Well done, Javad. Thank you. I think that that will go down as a big surprise in 2020. Eric publicly complimenting me on something. <laughs> so Garrett, we only have you for about nine minutes. I, am I correct? That's because right. Uh, I've got a very super secret um, facial procedure that I'll be doing to, you know, improve <laughs> my security of my face. <laughs> so yeah, I see you've got some, some drums behind you. Is that decorative or is that something you actually play? This is a Zoom virtual background. It's the new ones though, that they're 3D. So you, I can actually reach in here and interact with the background. If you don't fall out of your chair. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's great. So no, I, I don't, I'm a talentless hack. Cool. <laughs> like, like, like so many of us. <laughs> I feel better, imposter syndrome, gone. That's right. You're in good company, we're all dumb. <laughs> I didn't do see for that on LinkedIn. <laughs> oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> So tell us, uh, through 2020, it's been a weird year of ups and downs, like some people have uh, 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 lost their jobs, companies have moved people to remote working, there's been restrictions on flights and everything like that, and I don't know how I feel most of the time. Um, so uh, what has been the standout in terms of security for you, Kevin? You know, it's, it's funny, and... and Javad, Eric, and I, we've known each other forever, and we always have these types of talks and we meet up uh, once we get the insults out. Um, and rather than talk about like an actual highbrow security uh, exploit or whatever, let's talk about Zoom. <laughs> let's talk about how funny that was. Um, for those of us who've been remote workers, especially in you know IT security software, we've been Zooming for, for quite some time, but for the rest of the world, this is quite a new experience. So um, I like all the faux pas that happened. None that, you know, lost or cost anyone their jobs, but, 
you know, uh, other family members, maybe not knowing that they're on camera and, you know, walking through with their hair all crazy or something. Um, the Zoom room bombs was pretty funny before they instituted the uh, the built-in encryption in the URLs. Uh, we, you know, were, uh, per my personal account was a victim of a couple of those uh, uh, transgressions. But, a couple of those, huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we were doing them to each other. It's not like, <laughs> Fair enough. Not like I was, you know, doing a POC uh, out in the wild, but that was pretty interesting. And while it is funny, um, it, it definitely it resonated with me that we have a paradigm shift now. We now have a mostly from home workforce and and I'm not I'm not sure if it's ever going to go back to even close to what it was before the coronavirus. So sorry if I didn't give you the the right answer, but you know that's what I've been thinking about this year is is how has this shift from everybody being at home going to greatly transform uh, how attacks transpire? I mean, I, I predict you're going to see a whole hell of a lot more ransomware. And we were just talking about that a little bit backstage. I think that's, I mean, that's never going to go away, but I think that's just going to get more and more uh, prevalent as, you know, we're still using kind of on-prem IT or security solutions to handle this remote disparate workforce. It's kind of where I'm at. And I'll pause and. So, you know, we, we've talked for a long time about how, you know, um, the perimeter has changed and there is no perimeter. And now it's really landed in our lap where we've said this just with the cloud, but now rather than just have our IT assets move, now it's been the other side as well. That's that the, the perimeter just doesn't even exist anymore. It's, right. you know, it's Starbucks. It's whatever the coffee shop is around. It's wherever your mobile device is. That That's where it's kind of moved to these days. And uh, although we had talked about it before, I don't think anyone expected it to happen as extreme as it did, you know? And we're even seeing this in uh, courtroom stuff, right? Like remember that the Twitter kids, uh, yep. That happened here in Tampa, right? That uh, that hearing got Zoom bombed <laughs> because the judge didn't have it locked down, right? And so people have learned to do that. Poor Zoom. And I feel bad for Zoom because there was so much that went on there where they got attacked for a long time about, oh, so many vulnerabilities. Well, I mean, that's a side effect of becoming insanely popular quickly is all of a sudden all the research goes that way. And they, they find these and they that fix works. them, right? Um, but like my my... Uh, my mother-in-law and father-in-law are like, oh, we can't use Zoom. It's the worst thing ever. I'm like, no, nah, no. Nah. You know, we had to go through a lot of that. But you're right. It opened up the eyes to a lot of um, uh, other people who typically didn't do this to what's available, what what we can do through Zoom. Yep. yep. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, just pulling on that thread a bit more, I think what I've experienced a lot of is, uh, so I've been working remotely for for years now. And I was very happy working remotely. Because nobody wants you in their office. <laughs> since everyone else has started working remotely, the biggest problem I found and the biggest change I found is it's people don't know what's the best medium to communicate with others for. Uh, so the default is let's have a video conference of some sort for a five-minute conversation. Uh, you know, no, why don't you just IM me that on whatever our internal messaging right. system is? Or why don't you just pick up the phone and just phone me? But no, we need to have a video call. And I think all emails get sent a lot. And so I think there's a lot of like miscommunication and things that we're all learning as we go on. And uh, and that's been the cause for a lot of issues as well, where people have been emailing the wrong things to people externally and that kind of stuff. So I think that's been another side effect. 
Well, and, and what about people that just aren't comfortable being on Zoom? I know that's not a security issue, but it's like maybe that's going to affect the way that they communicate with you or their ability. I mean, I can see Javad mandating a Zoom meeting for every interaction. I, we got to get on video. And you know, maybe if I don't like video, I'm like, oh, I'm just going to push you off a little bit. So, yeah, very, very interesting and certainly a, a different, different world we live in. You know, a side effect to that is I believe people have realized – um, you know, we, we make fun of things, uh, at times where like the kid comes in the room or, you know, something happens in the background of these meetings where we're like, Oh, what an unprofessional. And now all of a sudden everyone's like, yeah, no, I get it. You know, That's it, no longer, it's just one of those things we just roll with anymore. Nobody's yep. worried about it, you know, um, because everybody's realized that it, it's not as easy as they thought forcibly. Right. And they've been in that position now, hopefully, you know, we're not talking about people that have their pants down in the urinal or, you know, in the stall or whatever, because uh, there have been a few of those folks, yeah. um, which is really embarrassing. But, you know, anymore, I think that people um, they're more accepting to, you know, someone in the lawn crew <laughs> showing up on the, you know, on the mic in the background. You know, it's not that big a deal anymore. So we do have that plus going for us when we poorly present things. It's more accepted these days. It is. It is. That's the title I want to show, Garrett. Tiny topics poorly presented. I love it. I, I was laughing during the intro because I was like, I couldn't think of a more appropriate tagline for you two. <laughs> you guys, I, I can't thank you enough for having me. This is a really uh, special treat. But uh... okay, so yeah, uh, we don't need to hear his long-winded <laughs> all these. Yeah, excuses, excuses, excuses. Yeah. All right. Well, we moved on without him. Great. Awesome. Yes. Thank so, you, Gareth, Bryce, for joining us. It was a real pleasure, but we just don't have time for small talk. <laughs> That's all we have time for. <laughs> don't tell him. No. So, right. uh, Eric, what was one of your favorite? I say favorite, but it, it... <laughs> yeah, favorite's kind of pushing it. A yeah, bit it there. is. But what's something that stuck with you, uh, and something that you talk about a lot, find yourself referencing a lot through the year? Yeah, the one that has really stuck with me just because it was so brutal. You know, remember we had an earlier episode that was like, how low will they go? And and this is this is perfect example of that. This is the Florida Plastic Surgery Center that got hit with ransomware, right? And, and anymore, you know, ransomware is kind of the um the lower end of the problems that you have with ransomware because they're exfiltrating data, right? And so the actual encryption is not the key thing you read about in the news, but yeah. In this particular um, occasion, they uh, they hit this plastic surgery center, got a bunch of the data out. When they realized the plastic surgery center wasn't going to pay, they actually reached out to the clients and said, they're not paying and we're going to end up dumping all of your before and after plastic surgery pictures on the web. And they started leaning on the actual uh, clientele for this, which I thought was, oh, crap. That I mean... Talk about putting some leverage and some heat back on the other organization. Um, you know, this is this is worse than going to mom after dad says no or sort of, you know, that sort of thing. This is a lot worse than that. And, uh, you know, what do you do about that? We saw the same sort of thing in the OG users forum hack, uh, which was interesting to me where uh, they basically said, hey, we're going to out all the people on this, you know, and if you want your information, um, uh, kept private it's like 50 or 100 bucks or whatever it was you know so we're, we're seeing kind of that angle and to me that was kind of an eye-opener right mm -hmm. uh, i wouldn't want it to be that plastic surgery center there's also this one uh later in the year that um uh 
therapy, uh, a psychiatric, I think, um, uh, in Finland, of all places, they they were threatened to release uh, the patient notes, and it was exactly the same uh, tactic that was used in the plastic surgery thing. Um, you know, except that I think that one it was like potentially more embarrassing to people that um, you know their their uh, procedures and their pictures are going to be released to the public. But this is like just as bad, if not worse, in some ways, because you probably got people. I think, like like you said, that they might suffer from paranoia and um, other other kind of uh, uh, mental health issues, and something like this is not going to help. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, in something like this, there's, there's lots of things you may talk to your therapist about that you may not necessarily want public or may not even be the case anymore. You might've been in a bad spot at the time, but you dump this out there. How's this going to affect, you know, future employers when they Google you? Because they do, everybody Googles everybody, right? Um, you know, and they see that, you know, you were on the edge here and there, and, and now they think maybe you're unstable. That could actually have a lot of impact. It can indeed. It can indeed. Um, from my point of view, I, I hate to stick with ransomware, but I think what ransomware, like you said, it's not just about encrypting the data anymore. Ransomware is like this, this catch-all for basically cybercrime, in which ransomware is now just a core component of the, the malware that they deploy, but a lot of it is around exfiltrating data, finding out what's their customers and all that kind of stuff. And sometimes the ransomware is only deployed as a here, we, we were here, now take us seriously kind of thing. But, you know, be, or, or it's a smoke screen. So it's um, kind of like tossing a hand grenade in the door as you walk out. It's like the last thing they do, like, okay, we're out of here. And, you know, grenades go on, grenade toss back. They don't look back at the explosion. They just walk out in slow motion. Exactly. Exactly. That's what yeah. ransomware is becoming. Yeah, we're, we're glamorizing cybercrime and we don't intend to do that at all. Think of this as bad guys with thick accents and, you know, Van Damme needs to come and like flying spin, flying spinny kick thing that he does that to, to take them all out. But um, two, there were two instances this year that, I, that, that, that stuck out for me uh, in ransomware in that actually caused organizations to shut down. The first one was Travelex, which was impacted last December. And they were taken offline, and then they came back online, and then the pandemic hit. Uh, so there was a lot of loss of revenue there as well. So it's probably not accurate to say the ransomware was totally responsible for the financial collapse of that organization because the pandemic hit as well. But it would be wrong to say it didn't heavily contribute to it. And this is important, I think, because a lot of times we say like, well, an attack happened. What was the actual impact? Did the company's share price suffer? And we see lots of times it happens like there's a little dip at that time. But then two years later, the, you know, it's as if it, it, it doesn't even register or a year later, it didn't even register in the overall growth trajectory of the company. But having something that actually causes an organization to, to, to fail is is really, really um, before you move off, before you move off, Hachibot, I just have to ask um, for the benefit of our viewers, and uh, I'll even say this out loud for the podcasters: the banner that's at the top of this page. Did you do that on purpose? Because now we have again Roger Grimes staring back at, at Javad, and I just want to point that out. he's also one of our colleagues. Had no idea that was going to be there, but it's kind of creepy. Um, anyways, 
Yeah, you're right. Um, and in this case, you know, we, we saw the TravelX thing happen and we saw some pretty ugly stuff happen when TravelX went down. People were stranded in, in all kinds of areas, right? When all this stuff went down and then, yeah, kind of gone. And like the next story you're going to show, it does kind of show, unlike Target, who, yeah, they had the blip, but they're still around and Home Depot. And um, it actually can take down some organizations. So tell us about this one. Yeah, and this one we spoke about um, uh, a week or two ago as well. It was an Australian hedge fund. The CEO got a, a Zoom invite, looked like a Zoom invite, clicked on it. Guess what? It wasn't a Zoom invite. It gave the bad guys access to his credentials. They took over his email account. They sent emails from the CEO to the financial controller saying, make new payments. They wired out about $8 million. Uh, bad guys made off with about uh, just under a million of those. Uh, the rest was recovered. But the reputational impact was so bad that their major clients pulled out their funds. And so the, the, the hedge fund had to um, shut, shut down. So this is one where you can directly attribute a phishing email with a company going down the, the proper butterfly effect. So I, th I think these are really key things that we need to look at very, very closely at how uh, a cyber attack can actually cause the financial ruin. And these are, it's not just an organization that goes down, there are people that lose their jobs, there's reputations that are, are destroyed. The impact for these individuals will be quite, quite harsh and we can't underestimate that. Yeah, you know, and people say, oh, well, I've got cyber insurance. It is not gonna protect you from something like this, right? It may make you whole again for that 800K that was lost. Um, but when it comes to something like this, where your reputation is trashed, I don't care how much cyber insurance you have, that's the end of it. You know, that's not part of your policy is to retain a large investor, you know? So once it happens, it happens. And, uh, so I hate to see where people are kind of going, oh, I got cyber insurance. Oh, my insurance will cover that. Yeah. You know, we, we just can't think that way. We can't think that way because that's very much, um, in the reaction mode, Sort of like, you know, antivirus. It's, it's a reactionary thing, right? We're not being proactive with it. And with especially the modern ransomware, we have to be proactive with this stuff. Um, we have to stop it from happening. Because like we mentioned, the data is going out, you know, in this case, money's going out. Um, and then you're, you know, instead dealing with the repercussions afterwards. That's why I'm such a strong believer in proactive controls as opposed to the reactive ones. Um, it, it just makes sense. Definitely. So if you were to list out your top few proactive controls, I'm putting you on the spot, Eric Crone, what, what would they look like? So for me, obviously the human factor, we talk about that all the time. It's the space we live in. So make sure you're training people because honestly, they're the attack vectors in 99% of this stuff, right? CEO gets pwned, email goes out from there, bad things happen, right? We see that just all the time. Um, and it's a case of usually somebody clicking on something or, you know, having crappy password hygiene, you know, reusing in other places. So credential stuffing comes in because, you know, they're knitting for them or whatever got hit. Um, so that's definitely a key one. Email and spam gateways is huge um, just for the sheer volume, you know, and, and the numbers say about, about seven to 10 percent still get through. And so, OK, fine. But the sheer volume of these emails that are going out there every day, if you can block 93% of them, that gives people a fighting chance. If it wasn't for that, it's going to be hard, you know, and that in that case, I even believe, um, you know, it's kind of covered under the DMARC thing. I think we should be using more DMARC and I think you should be 
active instead of just, oh, I have DMARC enabled and it's really doing nothing, right? It's just checking. Um, I think that kind of stuff has to happen um, with respect to that. And then it's it's sort of a it's sort of a proactive slash reactive one. I don't I don't know. But DLP, watching what leaves the organization, right? Um, we 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 put a lot of effort into making sure firewalls are locked down with what comes in. We don't put as much effort looking at what goes out of networks. And so you know things like traffic over port fifty three. You know, that happens all the time. It looks like it's DNS. And so you allow that to go out to the internet. Well, do they really need to be going to, you know, DNS servers that aren't on your network? Maybe we should lock that down and then use your own trusted DNS. And that way that kind of control, you know, command and control traffic wouldn't work. So that's kind of my key things. Those are some of the top things I think about. Yeah, yeah. No, those are are surprisingly good. (laughs) I, I just... I'd add to it uh, multi-factor authentication. I think it ties into your credential hygiene one, but it's an easy way to um, kind of like help bolster that to, to prevent people reusing it. I'm, I'm also a, um, from a process point of view, I, I think organizations should look at, yes, one of those. Uh, I, I'd also like to see the less reliance on emails as an authorization tool. So, um, so things like financial instructions and what have you, if you're accepting them via email, I'd, I'd strongly suggest just looking at a different process. I mean, it, your, your large organizations, maybe even your mid-sized organizations, you normally have an accounting platform there where, you know, someone can put in a finance request, they can request things. So it's that you can apply the controls at that place. So, you know, there's, there's some form of governance and you can add, add, implement segregation of duties at that place and, and what have you. So it just makes it a lot more difficult for a criminal to just break into an email or spoof an email and say, hey, why are this much money to so-and-so? Um, so th- this kind of thing would uh, really help that, those, kinds of, um, those kinds of attacks. I had another thing in mind, and I'm trying to think what that was. Oh, no, don't look at me like that, Eric. For those on the podcast, you are lucky you're not seeing Eric's <laughs> ugly face. Give me the death stare for no. not what my next point was going to be. You do make a, a good point with that last one, especially with business email compromise and stuff that goes on, right? These policies and procedures um, are often, you see these these kind of well-thought-out policies and procedures often in more mature organizations, but it's not something that smaller organizations can't do fairly easily, as a matter of fact. Like a policy saying, yeah, I don't just get an email from the CEO saying go buy a bunch of gift cards and do that, right? It's got to go through, like you said, another process, maybe an out-of-band phone call, something like that. It doesn't have to be super technical. And honestly, you don't have to have a whole platform for it. If you can, that's even better. But, um, yeah, taking that stuff out of those those sort of emails, doing business by email just is not a great idea anymore. No, no, no. Did I stall long enough for you to think of the last one? Uh, thank you. Thank you very much for that stalling. <laughs> very good. Very good. <laughs> There you go, officer. This is where I was on the, on the night of the third. Um, so I, th- I think the other thing that I've really experienced a lot of this throughout the year, especially with remote working and people like like Garrett was saying as well, people being introduced to Zoom or video, other video conferencing platforms or remote working, things that they weren't exposed to before. And so they're having to learn things. And it's at that point you actually realize how poorly designed a lot of our tools are in terms of security. So 
you know, think about it. You get someone, um, say they've got a, a new phone, for example, um, or, or a tablet or, or a laptop, whatever the device may be, but it's a, it's a portable device that they're working from at home. We're asking them to, they, they're going to want to physically protect it, so they might put a cover on it, a screen protector on it, so that's an investment. Then we're saying, make sure you keep it updated, apply all the latest patches, but don't be the first one to apply the patch because something might break. So wait a short period of time, but not too long. Right. Yeah? Just, and, just the right amount, yeah. Just the right amount, exactly, like, like Goldilocks. And, the, and the, you know, <laughs> don't patch too quickly or too late, but just patch it. Um, sometimes you have to patch it manually. Other times it will automatically patch for you when you're in the middle of a presentation. Um, so there's all that kind of stuff. Then we say don't reuse passwords, but we're not going to give you a really effective free way of managing that. So why don't you go buy another separate product to do that for you? And then you have to install it. And for us, again, it's like installing a, a browser add-in or an app on your phone. Is And honestly, on the phone, I've yet to come across a password manager that's really nicely integrated that it auto-fills it every time. It, it struggles on certain apps and certain websites. It's it's not as a proper seamless experience. Um, there, there's there's a whole host of other issues that that you see coming up. And and then like I, I, just, I was just looking on Twitter today, and someone uh, pointed out an organisation that had opened up a bug bounty program, but social engineering was out of scope. And um, I thought, okay, fair enough. Social engineering is low cost, easy to do, and can probably take up a lot of resources, so you want it out of technical scope. But the problem is that your systems aren't designed to protect against social engineering either. Yeah, because uh, this is the, the kind of like the argument, like we shouldn't have to train users for all these eventualities because we should build systems that are secure enough to use without causing issues. And I'm totally on board with that. I, I fully support that. I just don't think we're anywhere near achieving that that state yet. In fact, even the things that we have solved quite well, like MFA, I think is fantastic technology. Even that is difficult for people to, the average person, to install, to use, to understand uh, how to generate your backup codes, how to swap your, if you've got a new phone, how do you switch it up, your authenticator over to your new phone? That that's a That's a painful process in its own right. So I think there's loads of things that I think we as, um, it, as industry professionals could be doing to influence the design and build of these tools to make it easier so there's less reliance on or there's less failure points along the way so there's less work for your spam filter to do there's less work for your person behind the keyboard to do there's less work for your uh, DLP to do so that's my kind of mini rant I, I went on a bit there yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's interesting you know you, you mentioned that uh, social engineering being out of scope that's like hiring a, a, a physical pen test group to test your building and saying you can't use any doors or windows right like it's just uh, yeah it just that's such a big attack vector to leave that kind of thing out of scope that's just uh, I don't know that's that's unfortunate but uh, it's the world we're in you know and and you're right you're right about a lot of things don't ever tell anyone I said that. They can never see this, this episode. <laughs> the, uh, the final point I was going to bring up, just to wrap up the year from my perspective, was you don't know what you don't know. And we, we go back to the, uh, who, who said it there? No knowns, no unknowns, unknown unknowns. Was it Donald Rumsfeld? Or, uh, no. Who was it? it was I'm one not of educated. 
It was one of your American politicians. It was during the, the oh man, that, now I'm, uh, okay, let me focus, let me, everyone knows who I'm talking about, who, who is educated, let's put it that way. Uh, but 2020 has shown us so much of the things that were unknown unknowns. The pandemic was really not something hardly anyone had factored into their risk model. Having everyone suddenly have to work remotely was not something we'd factored into our remote, uh, into our risk model. Having financial strains, having you know all, all these sorts of things that they were new, and and this is one of the the, the things that for me are really brought to life this year. That you know you're only as good as what your preconceived notions are of what the future looks like or what your attack vectors are like. So. Um, so let's try to prepare for eventualities that can morph into whatever that may be. Um, and one of the best examples I, I, I saw from this year was, uh, and I mentioned it before, I think, it was a convenience store in, in the States somewhere. And there was a clerk working there and, and, and the replacement staff walked in wearing the, the company t-shirt and logo, say, I'm here, to, I'm here to pick up the next shift. So the, the person that was working there clocked out and as they're walking, the other person came in, started logged in, started taking orders, serving customers. They left um, five, ten minutes later when it was quiet. They closed the shutters, emptied out the the, the cash, the the booze, the alcohol, uh, the uh, the cigarettes, and uh, they walked out because they were not an employee. They <laughs> and you think they robbed an entire store without a gun, a knife, without a threat, without anything purely because they look like they belong and because the staff that was working there was not trained or was it ever told or didn't even think that it would be possible that a thief would come in like this. So if, if someone came in and pulled a gun, they would know, okay, there's a panic button here, there's you duck, you do this, you do that, you stall them, come out the small denomination of notes first to, to give to them, all that kind of stuff we have built in. And that's drilled in so everyone knows, okay, hit the panic button, do this, do that. But someone walks in, and, and it's a simple fix. When you think about it in retrospect, it's a simple fix. Someone new comes in to take over your shift. You say, "Hold on, let me phone HQ up. Let me ask them. Did they let me? Let me ask the agency. Did they send down someone new because I wasn't expecting them?" Uh, so it's a simple fix if it's something you'd planned for. But if it's not something you've planned for, you're just going to get caught with your pants down. Something you're all too familiar with, Eric. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know where that came from, but uh, you know, it, you're right. There is something else, though, and, and I will say this: um, while I agree with you on most of your points, I don't believe that's the catch-all. I think yes, you you have to. You're only as good as what you anticipate coming, and what you can be fluid enough to roll with. Okay, <laughs> so we did anticipate working from home in a lot of people's, um, you know, continuity of operations things. We we did think about that. What we didn't think about is for it lasting a year, right? We tested for like a week. Um, and so that was all fine. But for a year, that's a whole different ballgame. And so the people that have rolled out of this um, successfully and even grown in a, a lot of the, the cases have been the ones that were fluid enough to then roll with this. Okay. So they were able to take those and use some some you know thinking and mental dexterity to go okay this isn't what we planned but this is how we're going to deal with it and through a lack of bureaucracy in many cases they can just get things working very quickly and make those adjustments and move on i mean you look at the organization we both work for 
man, we just, we just rolled with it. Boom. And next thing you know, people are, you know, we had a nice little thing set up where people can roll in, get the, their computer and stuff loaded in their car and boom, they move on. That's the kind of thinking I think that helps in a lot of cases. So we, we can't always expect to know everything or to think of everything that can go wrong, but we do need to have enough flexibility to quickly adapt and then move into it. I concur. I concur. Good points. Well made. I was listening. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I believe that. Uh, so anyway, uh, Eric, it's been a wonderful year, a year that started with us in hotel rooms at RSA recording our first episodes. Look how far we've come. I'm glad you threw in the recording the first episode part. <laughs> Didn't just leave it. It started with hotel rooms at RSA. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, you know, it really, yeah, it really has. And then the fact that this started, you know, it's funny thinking back to RSA and how long ago that feels like. But when you look at a calendar, it's not really that long ago. You know, it's, it's the it's the 2020 paradox, I guess, where it feels like it's been forever and then sometimes it feels like it was just yesterday. I don't even know how to describe how the heck that's working. Yeah. But it is. It, it is. is. It is. It, it's like someone once said, like, it's the, ever since they turned on the Hadron Collider, <laughs> the world's going to get weird. Um, yeah, yeah. So we're, we're, in, we're in a weird universe. Luckily, we know of someone who, <laughs> who does know a bit about quantum physics and Security. Yes, it's our friend Roger Grimes. And I think what better way to leave than to show you a picture of Roger Grimes. And this is actually one of those photos if you print it out and hang it on your wall, the eyes will follow you no matter where you are in the room. So uh, we'll probably ask Roger to join us sometime next year on the show. Uh, up until then, uh, until then, I suppose, should I say, until then, it's been a pleasure to interact with you all for, for the year and uh, goodbye from me and Eric, any parting words? Yeah. Oh, and Eric had nothing much to say. So thank you very much, everybody. We'll see you next year.